Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, no other bounds I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus for my part in this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus for my cleansing. This my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, no other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. Me white as snow, oh no other bounds I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow, oh no other bounds I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together. Yes, God, we're thankful for what Jesus did on the cross for us. He died the death that we deserved in our place so that we can have the opportunity to be saved if we repent and put our trust in him. I pray that we would look to him as the perfect sacrificial lamb who died in our place and that we would surrender all to him and put our trust in him to be saved, to be right with you. We wouldn't push it off for another day, but that we would choose to do so tonight if we haven't already. God, we're excited now as we turn to your word. Help us to learn from it this evening. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, it's good to sing together in person. That feels a little bit different, doesn't it? That's really good. Well, As we get back together for our last official sermon of the year, I thought it'd be good for us to go back to the basics. And as you might have already seen on your worksheet, we've been going through this Standing Alone series. We've looked at different characters, but I thought the only appropriate character to finish out this year, for we've been studying, is the character of Jesus himself, the main character of the story. You you probably saw this one coming, didn't you? 
And you thought if we're going through the Old Testament, going through the, uh, he's probably going to end with Jesus. That's right. We are ending with the main character. And it's interesting because all the characters we've looked at so far, we've said, you know what? They're good examples for us. And yeah, they're sinful people and they've messed up before. And we see a lot of their failures in the Bible, but overall they're good examples for us. Well, this character is a little bit different because he doesn't have any of the flaws. He is literally the perfect person. Jesus Christ was the perfect person, fully God, fully man, and absolutely perfect. And while there've been areas where we could have like said, oh, I want to follow, you know, Daniel's example here and David's example here, we could also find failures and like, oh, well, I don't want to be like David here. I don't want to be like Daniel here. But with Jesus, there is none. All that he is and all that he does are things that we should want to do as well, especially because we're calling ourselves Christians, right? Christian means that you are a, um, technically what the word means is little Christ, follower of Christ, person who is identified with Jesus himself. And the Bible does not say that you need to grow up and be like Daniel, okay? Uh, Doesn't say that. It does say that we should follow some some of his examples. The Bible says that we should follow the good examples of people we have in the Old Testament. Yeah, it does say that, but it doesn't say specifically, yeah, you should grow up and be like Daniel. But here's the thing. The Bible does say that for you, if you want to be a Christian, you need to be like Jesus Christ. The last thing that Jesus ever said on this planet happened in Matthew 28. And I want you to grab your Bibles. I want you to turn to the last thing Jesus ever said, Matthew chapter 28. Let's turn there. We haven't done that in a while. Oh, turn to that passage. Matthew 28, I want you to see what Jesus said before he left. And I think it'll be helpful for us as we think, what should we do going forward? Some of us are going to eighth grade. Some of us are going to high school. Others of us are leaders. And we're already done with junior high and high school. Um, So we're not really going very far. But what does God call us to do? Well, the last thing Jesus ever said right here in Matthew chapter 28 Verse 19, it's a mission that he gives people. You probably have heard this verse before. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Okay? If you stop right there, what that means is the disciples and the apostles and everybody else following who's a, who's a follower of Jesus, what we're supposed to do is go out and make people into disciples. Okay? I could make you into a disciple of a lot of things. Some of you, we have played basketball before, right? Others of you, I've come in on your volleyball circle. And I, uh, you know, I give you a little spike. I give you a little, uh, this thing, what, what does that mean? What is that called? Bump? Yeah, bump, thank you. Um, I felt where I give you a little bump. Like, it sounds like a fist bump. No, um, I've taught you some of the, I haven't taught you many of those things. Um, but I could, right? And maybe I'd teach you some other things. And you've had coaches who make you into disciples. What that means is your volleyball coach or your basketball coach wants to make you into a follower, but of that person, right? Hey, spike it like me, shoot like me. That's all good, right? But what this is saying is Christians are called to be disciples and to make disciples of Jesus. It doesn't say here that we're supposed to make disciples of ourselves, right? That just is having kids, right? That's not really what he's, I mean, that's a great thing. Bible says it's a great thing to have kids and to make people that look like you and smell like you and talk like you. But ultimately what God calls all Christians to do is to help other people be like Jesus. So this is important, not just for you to be like Jesus. This is important because your goal, or it should be for the rest of your life as a Christian is to help other people be more like Jesus as you become more like Jesus. That's Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. 
I want to read for you a verse in Romans chapter 8. Before we dig into the story of Jesus, this verse talks about what we should do. It says, this is Romans 8, 29. It says, for those whom he foreknew, this is talking about Jesus, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That means, as God has chosen people in this room to grow up and to be shaped into Jesus, to be like Jesus. God has chosen people that he's gonna do that with. And I hope that he's chosen you to do that with because that's what we're talking about tonight. The only way for us to do that is to do what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, which says we're supposed to, with unveiled face, see more of the glory of the Lord and to understand more of who Jesus is. And if we do that, we're gonna be more like him. So I want you to write down, you got some things on your worksheet right here. There's two main things that characterize the life of Jesus. As we go through the story of Jesus and we think about his childhood and we think about him growing up and we think about him, his early ministry and hanging out with John the Baptist and hanging out with the disciples. As we think about that, I really just put these things in two categories. There's two types of things that Jesus did. And if we wanna be like Jesus, we wanna do these two types of things. The first one is this. Point number one, I want you to write it down like this. I want you to know God like Jesus. Know God like Jesus. Reason this is important is because I could give you a lot of tasks and a lot of things to do and a lot of things to say, good things to say, bad things to say. I could teach you a type of morality, right? And a lot of people, when they look at what Jesus did and what he said, they say, well, I want to be like Jesus, but they don't want to know God, right? I have an example for you. Does anybody here, you guys know, um, you guys know LeBron James, right? You know LeBron James, right? Um, girls, any of you know uh, Joanna Gaines? Okay, Joanna Gaines, you know her, right? Magnolia lady, you know her. Um, anybody in here know, uh, you guys know Justin Bieber, right? Justin Bieber, right? You guys know Justin Bieber, right? You guys all just lied to me. None of you know them. None of you know Justin, none of you know Justin Bieber. Is Justin Bieber in your phone? Do you know Justin Bieber, right? right? You know about Justin Bieber, right? That's what you thought I was asking. Oh yeah, I know about those people. Yeah, that's, that's great. But they're not saying, it's there, see there's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing them personally. Right? Nobody in here, sorry. Uh, maybe, maybe you do know Joanna Gaines. I don't know. Uh, I was just, I asked actually, I asked Alexandra, I said, what's, a, what's like a female role model for, for people? And she said, Joanna Gaines, right? Everybody wants to make their kitchen look like Magnolia, right? Anyway, um, but you don't know them, right? You know about them, which is great and it's awesome, right? but you don't know them, okay? When we talk about knowing God, I'm not talking about knowing God from a distance and understanding things about just like you can know what Justin Bieber looks like and you can know what LeBron James looks like and you can know all of his stats and you can watch all of his games. You can know all that stuff about him, but that doesn't mean that you know him personally, right? It's not, it doesn't mean that he knows you and you know him. There's a difference there. And my fear is a lot of people in this room specifically have learned a lot of good things about God. You know more of the stats about God. You understand more Bible verses, but that doesn't mean that you know God personally. And that's a scary thing. And here's one of the amazing things about Jesus is that Jesus knew God personally on the deepest level. Jesus actually said that I and the Father are one. And one of the things that he prayed for his people is that they would know God just like he knows God. The beginning of the Gospel of John, John 1:18 says this. It says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side, but Jesus has made him known. That's what Jesus came to do, to reveal to us the knowledge of God and to know who God is. Not just know about him, but to know him personally. I have sub points for you. 
four ways that we can do that. The first one is actually foundational, and you can't really even know God unless you get this first step right, and it's this. I want you to know God like Jesus through salvation, okay? That's the first big thing, and that's kind of an obvious one. If, you're, if you've been here for a long time, you know that, yeah, I can't really know God personally unless I'm a saved person, and what that means is that my sins have been forgiven, completely and ultimately forgiven by what Jesus did, just reading a book this week that the leaders have been reading. Um, and the last chapter was entitled, Christ is All. And he was talking about people who go to church, people a lot like us, maybe. We go to church, we know all about God, but Christ is not all in our lives. We don't really know him. We might go to church to talk to our friends, but we don't wake up in the morning to hear from God through his word. We might open our Bibles to read, but it's not like, yeah, we're just reading the book because that's what our parents tell us to do, or that's what our small group leaders want us to do. We don't really know God. We don't have that experience of knowing God and talking to him through prayer also. That's the second thing. Second sub-point is this. I want you to know God through prayer. Right? That's ultimately the second way that we can know God. We communicate our thoughts to him. Nobody was better at praying than Jesus. Nobody's better than praying at praying than Jesus. He says in Mark 1.35, it says, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, it says he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. That was Mark chapter 1. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, says something very similar. It says, in these days, he went out to the mountains to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Remember up all night? Remember up all night? Imagine, instead of running around and playing games and eating all the weird stuff that we ate, um, it's not like we ate weird stuff, but you know what I mean. Um, weird stuff that we ate, and going to Ice Palace and getting on the bus and all that stuff, right? Imagine that night we spent all night in prayer, talking to God. If I said tonight, that's your assignment. From the time the sun goes down, right about at eight o'clock to the time it comes up at around six o'clock in the morning, I want you to go out and pray. 10 hours, right? What do you think about that, right? I'm giving you like one of the shortest nights of the year, by the way. It was just like winter or summer solstice. So like, it's like the shortest night of the year. It's only like 10 hours. How would you feel about that? Well, to most of you, I'd probably scare you and think, ah, I don't think I, I think I'd fall asleep. I don't think I could do that, right? Well, Jesus did it multiple times, it says. It says, in these days, he used to do it. It wasn't like he just did it one time. He prayed all night. Jesus related to God through prayer all the time. It's only possible for people who are saved. And, and back to thinking about that, that through salvation point, book of John, which we're going to study next year, by the way, uh, for you seventh graders, um, we're going to go through this book. John chapter 17, verse 3, talks about eternal life. And what it says about eternal life is the only way for us to have eternal life. And really what eternal life is, is for us to know God. That's what eternal life is. You know how we talk about how Jesus came to bring us eternal life, right? Eternal life. It's awesome. And we think of eternal life as like to infinity and beyond, right? What Buzz Lightyear said. That's what we think of, right? Forever, right? That's, that's part of it. Absolutely. That is what eternal life is. But it's not just a length of life. It's also a depth of life. It's also a quality of life. And I'm not talking about how much money we make or how comfortable we are. To know God is really to have, you know, the good life as according to the Bible. And that's not saying that if you know God and if you pray, then you'll get a ton of money or you'll get a big car that you want or whatever. That's not the point. But that is ultimately what life is about, is knowing God. It's only possible for people who've repented of their sins and then had those sins forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says that Christ reconciled us to himself, to God. It says, and he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. 
Jesus came to give us a relationship with God. So if you think about knowing God, you think, how could I ever know God? Well, that's what Jesus came to do. Came to do that by pointing us to salvation. Repentance, faith, trust in God, trust in what Jesus did for us. Prayer, that's the only way to talk to God. You might have guessed this was coming next. If you want to know God like Jesus, you need to hear from God. And the only way for you to hear from God is through the word. That's the third sub point here, through the word. Know God like Jesus through the word. And by the word, I mean the Bible, right? Through understanding and reading God's word. Sometimes what people like to say about the Bible is that it becomes the Bible when we read it, right? Becomes God's word after we've read it. Problem is that's not true. It's not true. God's word is written and it's here and we have it. And the scary thing is we often don't access it because we don't think about it for what it really is. When we don't think about the Bible as God's word, we think about it as a book, right? Because that's what I'm holding. Or some of you think about it, maybe you listen to it, you think about it like a podcast or like an audio book. And although it is those things, it's more than those things because the Bible is what God has revealed about himself to us. And the only way to get to know God is to talk to him and to hear from him. People talk about hearing from God all the time. You probably heard maybe even some crazy people being like, I heard a voice from God, right? Well, here's the thing. God has a voice, but he's spoken and he's put a period at the end of his sentence, okay? Um, That's a joke, right? He's put a period at the end of his sentence. What that means is he's spoken and it's here. It's for us to read. And for those of you who are going into high school, and for those of you moving on, I just want you to remember that Moving forward, the only way for you to get to know God is through prayer and through the word. It's amazing, but actually when Jesus grew up, Luke 2.52 says that Jesus learned the Bible. Okay. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Sometimes you think, you know, he was birthed and, you know, he, he knew everything, right? The Bible says that for a time and for a season, Jesus put away his Um, super impressive God attributes. He didn't use them. So they were there, but he put them aside. Luke 2.52 says that Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. That's weird, right, for the God man, right? It's, It's an odd thing. And sometimes when you read that, you skip over it and you think, okay, yeah, Jesus grew up. He got taller. It says he grew in wisdom, so he got smarter. He understood the Bible more. And he also grew in stature, which means he grew from being, you know, 20 inches or whatever as a baby, right, to... Four feet, right? He passed, you know, some of you who are shorter, right? I'm not going to name names, but you know who you are, right? He, maybe he passed five two, right? I don't know. That's a big deal for some guys, passing five foot, right? We got the three seventh graders up here being like, yeah, I remember when I did that. I haven't done that yet, so uh, maybe next year, right? Uh, he grew. He grew up, right? It's amazing that he grew up that way because he understood more about God. This verse comes right after Jesus was in the temple having a conversation with the teachers, asking them questions. Think about that, asking them questions and answering other questions. Jesus grew up, he gave himself to the word. As a boy, as a kid, as a teenager, as a young man, he gave himself to the word. John seventeen seventeen, Jesus said that God's word is absolute truth. It's the only thing that's absolutely true. You ever heard some... Um, it's just crazy, like right now, you guys are moving from eighth grade to ninth grade or from seventh grade to eighth grade, um, when like the news, like set, like two different news 
People like say the opposite things. You ever, have you noticed that? Like, it's like people are saying one thing and then they're saying the next thing. And then it's like, well, who's right? You've got all these people saying different things. And someone says, this is the truth. And other people are saying, this is the truth. And a lot of people are like, well, then I guess we can never know the truth. Here's the crazy thing about God's word. Everything in God's word is absolutely true. It's absolutely true. It's never changingly true. God's never gonna change his word. You know that first Peter and Isaiah 40 say that the word of God will remain forever. Like, you're gonna study the Bible in heaven is what that means. That means in a billion years, the Bible will still be amazing to you. The Bible never changes. That's how we can get to know God. There's no better way to use your next year and especially this summer than getting to know God through the word. The last way that God, uh, that Jesus rather, got to know God and expressed that knowledge of God was through the way he served. That's the last thing, through service. Know God like Jesus through service and ultimately, our service just aligns ourselves with what Jesus was doing the whole time. Here's what Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. All that stuff should be the, the foundation to living like Jesus. Because ultimately, you can't live like Jesus, you can't serve Jesus if you don't know God. That's so important. And ultimately, that's going to be the fuel that will help you and that's going to push you to be like Jesus. The other thing that characterized Jesus' life, which is probably the more famous thing, the thing that you already know, and it's already on your worksheet, so you can write this down for point number two, um, is love, right? The love of Jesus. Here's point number two, love people like Jesus. If we want to understand what Jesus did in his life and say, I want to I do that. I mean, he said, follow my example. He said, you need to be a disciple of me. More than that, he said, you need to know the stuff that I taught. Be a follower of Jesus. That's what, that's what Jesus calls us to himself. Love people like Jesus. I want you to turn to a passage, probably in Matthew chapter 28. Turn to the right a couple books. John chapter 13. John 13, I want you to see this. We're gonna be studying this book all year long for those of you who are seventh graders. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples that is surprising. It's actually shocking they look at him like he's a crazy person for some of the things that he did and some of the things that he said this night, John 13. Earlier in this chapter, we see how Jesus got up from dinner, tied a towel around his waist, knelt down, brought the disciples over to a basin of water, and he started washing their disgusting feet in between their toes, their big hairy toes, that have been dirty and crusted over with dirt. Can you just imagine how gross that is, right? Sometimes you think, oh, washing feet. Like, like I've seen that at a wedding, right? Is that, have you ever seen that at a wedding, right? Cool, good. Uh, those are weird, right? Um, never mind. If you're watching at home, if you did that at your wedding, not judging you, sorry. Um, but sometimes people do that at weddings. Um, washing feet. It's like, oh, it's like a nice romantic thing. It's not a romantic thing, okay? It's something that like slaves did and servants did for people who, who were the masters, right? So it's not a cool thing that Jesus did, but Jesus washes their feet, takes their sandals off, sits them down in the chair, and scrubs in between their toes with his fingers, right? That's gross, okay? Um, I'm painting that picture because I want you to see how humiliating that is. Sometimes we think, oh yeah, you wash the feet and then, and then Peter's like, wash my whole body, right? right. Um, you think about the text, right? It's gross what he does. Then he says this. This is John 13, look at verse 34. Drop all the way down to 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you, 
that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. If you know the Bible, you know that's not a new commandment. Not a new commandment at all. The whole Old Testament says that they're supposed to love one another. Leviticus 19, 18 literally says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So that's not a new commandment. What's new about it? Look at the verse again. This is a new commandment, that you love one another, colon, right? In our text, it has a little dot, dot, right? That's a colon. Uh, If you didn't know what that was, it's a colon. Grammar lesson. Uh, Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. So he modifies it. He says, before, you were supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. You were supposed to treat people kindly and nicely, and if nicely, if that's a word. Um, I was just giving you a grammar lesson. Now I need one myself. Uh, Treat people nice. Treat people like you'd want to be treated, right? That's what the Old Testament Leviticus 19.18 says, right? This is different. This is more than treat people in a nice way, treat people in a way that you want to be. This is way more than that. Jesus is now saying, Christians, if you want to be like me, you need to love people like I loved you. Verse 35, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's how... Jesus says the world should know who you are. Right? Some of you might put, if you got Instagram, you might put a Bible verse in your bio. Right? That's, when you, that's when you know you're dealing with a Christian, right? You go on their thing, it's like, oh, they have Romans 5.8. Oh, they have, you know, maybe some obscure verse. I don't know. Oh, they have John 3.16. Oh, they're a Christian, right? Well, that's great. That's awesome. Do that. It's, it's awesome. Um, but Jesus does not say, in the Bible, and maybe it'd be easier if he did, um, they shall know you're my disciples by the Bible verses in your Instagram bios. He doesn't say that, uh, sadly. That would be really easy. Um, he says something a lot harder. He says, people should know, and people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Here's a question. Are you loving one another? Right? The first group of people I want you to see to love one another is the people want around you, your friends. That's the first thing. First subpoint here. Um, Love people like Jesus. I just want to think through categories for you to be helpful. Um, love your friends. And you might think, well, person's like not my friend, but like, like we're cool, right? That, I'm talking about them too. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, we haven't like ever talked and like said, you're my friend, I'm your friend. Like, okay, you're just cool, right? Those people too. Love them like they are your friends, right? Because Jesus says we're supposed to love other Christians like, like Jesus loved us. Another passage about this, 1 John, I'll just read it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. This is 1 John three fourteen. It says, we know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. He's saying that real Christians are the people who love one another. And if you have hatred in your heart towards other people, you look at someone and say, I could never, ever be nice to that person. I could never like that person. I hate them. You think that in your heart, even if you don't vocalize it with your mouth, right? What is he saying? He says, how, you, can't even, you can't even claim to know God. How, how can you even claim that? He says, you, you're, you're living in death. You don't have life, not eternal life at least. Verse 16 says, by this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. That means is that if we're really going to do what we ought to, if we're really going to live like Jesus, that means we got to lay down our lives. That means to put your preferences in second place to other people's. 
Right? When you want to do something and they want to do something, right? As long as we're not talking about sinful things, if we're just talking about preferences, right? Christians, here's what we do. We say, I'll take your preference over my preference. I'll do what you want. I'll serve you. Right? As long as we're not talking about sinful things, and I, I just want to make that clear. Right? If people are saying, let's do sinful things, you say, no, we're not going to do sinful things because Jesus doesn't like that. Right? Second category of people goes beyond even the people who are your friends. Right? This is a bigger group of people, and I mentioned them earlier, but your church. Okay? That's the second thing. Love people like Jesus. Also love your church. The whole church is great. I want you to think even more specifically about your church. If you think about what your church is, sometimes we think this right here, this group of people is your church, right? It's the first, it's the most inner group of your church, but you know that your church, because you don't go to the narrow Bible church, right? You know, the narrow Bible church doesn't exist, right? You, you know that, right? The narrow Bible church does not exist. It probably does somewhere, but like not here, right? This is not the narrow Bible church. We're not our own church. We are, the way I describe it to people, is think about a cookie, okay? I just had a great cookie today. I tell Sabrina, um, our awesome admin here, that if she ever goes to Urbane, get me a cookie, because I love the cookies at Urbane. Is it Urbane Cafe? Or is it, there's, there's, well, there's Urban Plates. Hey, hey, chill out, okay? I know my town center, fruity places to eat, right? Um, yeah, okay, there's, there's Urban Plates, and then there's Urbane Cafe, right? Is that, that's what, that's, is that what we did? All right, okay, great. Um, we had, a, we had a leaders meeting there once. It was just me, Nathan, Alexandra, and Sabrina. And Nathan and I were on, the only males in the building. The only males. The only boys, right? The only men in the building, right? That's, see, if you, ever, if you ever call yourself a man, that always sets you up on a tee to be like, you're not a man. Um, so anyway, whatever. Um, what was I saying? Cookie, right? Get back to the cooking, right? The way our church is, is not like Mickey Mouse. It's like a chocolate chip cookie, okay? Think about it like this. Our church, if you imagine our church, Compass Bible Church as a circle, right? The narrow is just one of the chocolate chips. It's inside, right? A lot of people look at churches and they think, oh, the narrow, you're like a, a Mickey Mouse ear on the outside, right? You're like a silo on the outside, right? Here's the thing. You and I, because we don't go to the narrow Bible church, we go to Compass Bible church, we are a part of the church, which means we're called not just to serve each other, right? We're not just called to serve smoothies or to set up chairs. We're not just called to, we're also called to serve our entire church, the whole church. And there's a, there's a bunch of ways for us to do that. And especially, it seems like most of the ways for junior high students to serve the church, and this is just common is to serve the kids at our church, right? Maybe you serve the kids at our church. That's an awesome way to serve the church. You can also serve the church by being a part of one of the groups here that helps fix the campus. That's not, if you think, if you're like a dude who's like too cool for kids, right? It's like, I'm not, I can't hang out with kids. I'm, I'm too cool. Like I'm too strong, right? Uh, my muscles are too big. My shirt's breaking as I speak, right? If that's you, if that's you, right? You're too cool for kids, which nobody's too cool for kids, by the way. I don't, that was kind of implied. I think you know that. But because uh, you were one of them, just some of you last year, right? You were in kids' ministry. You're not too cool for them, right? Called to serve one another. You serve in a fix-it ministry. There's a million ways for us to serve the church. Here's what, here's what Ephesians 5 says about Jesus' love for the church. It says that we should walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. 
Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You notice that? It says that Jesus gave himself for me. What's my job? To give myself for what? Not him. Have you ever thought that was weird? Jesus does not say you're supposed to give your life for me. He says you're supposed to give your life for the people. You're supposed to give your life for the church. In effect, we're giving our life to him. Yeah, but like we're supposed to serve the church. It's amazing. You got opportunities like that as well. Love people like Jesus. Start with your friends. Move out to the church. And the third group is a group that um, Jesus refers to a couple times. Uh, in Matthew chapter 9, I want you to write it down like this. Like this. Um, third group of people is I want you to love people like Jesus. And these people are the lost people. Lost people. Uh, people who don't know God. Right? Don't know God personally, right? Some of them know God in name. Some of them use God's name in vain. Some of them go to church. Some of them might be in your small group, but they don't know God. Matthew 9 says that Jesus saw the crowds of people. He saw all these people who didn't know God and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he turned to his disciples. When Jesus sees people who are hurting, he does not say, all right, time to do a 24-hour evangelism session. That's not what he does. He turned to his disciples and here's what he said. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There are so many people that don't know God, that need to know God, that you come into contact all the time. Right? And maybe you're thinking, John, I have not come into contact with anybody for like three months. Right? Usually you come into contact with them, right? I heard something that said Capo Unified School District has something like 36,000 kids. That's crazy, 36,000, something like that. Something crazy, high number of people. It might even be more. How many of those people are junior high students, right, just in the Capo District? I don't know, if you did the math, maybe you know, 8,000, 6,000, something like that, 6,000 at least. That's just in the Capo District. You probably got another four or 5,000 in the Saddleback District. Right? Then you've got, I mean, half of ILA is already here. So um, you've got them, right? but there's those people that aren't here too, right? Just picking on you, ILA people. Um, <laughs> your, your evangelism per capita is pretty good. Um, but here's the deal. There's a lot of people in all your groups, in all your spheres that are not here, that could be here, that are 7th and 8th graders. Next year are going to be 8th graders and ninth graders that need to be at church, that need to interact with God through hearing about him from the word of God and talking to God and knowing people who know God. You need to introduce people to Jesus, which is why next week we're starting a new series called Introducing Jesus. Those of you in ninth grade, my bad. Forget I said that. But Pastor Rod's going to do something else with you, and it's going to be great. But we want to talk about who Jesus is, and that's why we're going to study the whole gospel of John next year. So if you think, John, you did not give me enough information about the life of Jesus, that's because I'm preparing to give you 40 sermons worth of information about the life of Jesus starting the gospel of John next week. But before we get to that, I told you at the beginning that it's good that we go back to the basics, right? Thinking about this as our last time together with this group of people, the last time this group of people will ever be together on this side of heaven, that's amazing, but it's true. I want you to realize that you could do a lot of really cool things coming up. Some of you are looking forward to things, right? High school, 
getting a car, going to prom, graduating, going off to college, pulling an all-nighter, fortnighting with your friends. Like, I don't know. Like, you're looking, you're, a fortnight's, that's dead, right? Um, or is it, very, is it very much alive? Yeah, that's good. Um, you probably got a lot of things that you're looking forward to that's, most of them are, are great things. Some of them might not be such great things, but um, I trust you got a lot of great stuff ahead of you in your life. And many of you are walking out the doors tonight and you'll never walk back for a TNN. And that's, sorry, that was really, that sounded too harsh, but it's true. Um, it's just the truth. Deal with the truth, guys. Come on. Um, and I can give you a lot of advice about a lot of things, but the last words are this, basically. Um, going to high school is cool. Getting a driver's license is cool. Buying your first car. It's really cool. Going on a date. It's awesome. Going to college. It's even better. Getting married. That's my, I'm, that's my summit, right? I haven't gotten any higher than that, right? That's the coolest thing that's ever happened to me, right? Uh, and it's all really cool, right? But I'll tell you this. There's something you can do tomorrow morning that's cooler than all of that, that's better than all of that, that has more substance and, and more satisfaction than any of those things put together combined, is if you know God and you become more like Jesus. You could be successful. You could be a pro athlete. You could be a famous doctor. You could be a celebrity. You could get a million followers on Instagram. All that is cool, right? That's awesome. But it's, none of it is as good. None of it is as important as knowing God and loving other people and living like Jesus. And if there's anything that you can say, what are my goals? What, what do I want to do going forward? That's got to be it. These three things. Living like Jesus, knowing God, and loving other people. That's what God calls us to do. So let's pray for that right now. Nathan's going to come up and lead us in one more song. Let's pray for that. that. God will help us do that. God, thank you for showing us yourself in the word. I know that Jesus lives this perfect life in our place. And I know we talk about his life all the time. We're so thankful for his example. And we know that we want to be like him. I know that we spent so much time tonight talking about um, ways we can be like him that... Um, we didn't even take that much time to look at his life in general. So I, I pray that um, as we read the Bible every day and as we move forward, especially these seventh graders moving into eighth grade next year, as we study the gospel of John, I pray that you would help us understand more about who you are. We know that you knew God and you know God on such a personal, deep level. You spent time in prayer. You spent time in the word. Pray that these students who are not in a right relationship with you would enter that. We know that that's possible. It's, some of them think it's impossible. They think that they can never um, earn your favor. And it's true that they could never earn your favor. But there is one who has. And I pray that they would trust you completely with their whole hearts. That they would not trust themselves a little bit and you a little bit, but they would just trust you completely. And we know that that sacrifice and that perfect life that Jesus lived is sufficient for them, that it will cover them, that they can enter into heaven one day because of the righteous things that Jesus did. We're thankful for that, and we pray that we would trust you for the rest of our life. Pray that we'd be more like Jesus, and we'd show that by the way that we live and by the way that we know you, and also by the way that we love other people.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's respond to what we heard by singing one more song together.
So Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus, more like Jesus. I pray, make me more like Jesus. If more of you means less of me, take everything. Yes, all of you is all I need. Take everything. If more of you means less of me, Amen. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful as we talked about in this sermon of what Christ has done for us, that those of us who haven't repented yet and put our trust in you, that it's not too late. We can choose to do so today and trust in the work that Christ did on the cross for us. I pray that if there's anyone in this room who hasn't done that yet, they would choose to do so today. God, help us have good small groups as, as we talk about this message and as we apply it to our lives. We, also, we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Take a seat. All right. So,